Hi everyone, welcome to Under Control. My name is Paul Bartlett and on today's show is Titania Jordan, who is the Chief Parenting Officer at Bark. Bark protects 5.2 million children from a number of tweens and teens issues, such as cyberbullying, by keeping parents informed of their children's online activity. In this episode, we will discuss the threats that young people are exposed to in an online world and how Bark's AI algorithm minimizes the risk to our children. Hi, Titania. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. It's really good to get the opportunity to speak to you today. Um, What I'd like to do is obviously give you the opportunity to give a little bit of feedback about yourself, Mm -hmm. um, how you got involved with this, what your motivations are, um, because it's a really, really uh, important topic, probably for a lot of listeners out there. Um, and then you can go on to talk about the actual solution itself, which is an application, um, and you can give us some insight about that. So I'll Great. hand it over to you. Okay. And uh, let's go underway. All right. Well, thank you again, and thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate you sharing your your ears with us. <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of places you can you know, go to spend your time and consume content. So we're, we're so glad you're here. Um, how, you know, my story to make a long story short, I'm a mom. I'm a mom of a tween who is gosh, just so smart and so brilliant, but also so exposed to so many more things than we ever were as kids and watching him grow up in a world where he, you know, can access a smartphone before he can even walk or talk has been a revelation for me. Um, combined with me, you know, being born in the 80s uh, and knowing what it was like to live in a world without tech, have a childhood without tech, uh, and then all of a sudden be introduced to email and the internet and social media at a pivotal age, but thank God, not as a child or teenager. Um, again, very insightful. And so I've spent my entire career at the intersection of media and technology and then parenting. I started in a traditional role in the radio industry in Atlanta, Georgia. And around that time, social media was taking off. Digital media was taking off. People didn't realize that very soon there would be this thing called the iPod with digital music files and the radio uh, would in some ways become obsolete. Uh, this was before satellite radio and, you know, it's just <laughs> a crazy cool time, you know, to be a professional. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, had my son Jackson and realized that for all of the guides that we have as parents, whether it's breastfeeding or bottle feeding or potty training or discipline or sleeping, you know, these are tried and tested methods that families have been learning through for a very long time. But screen time and access and eventually social media and then the harder issues like cyberbullying, sexual content, pornography exposure, mental health issues that are evolving as a result of this. This is all new territory. And because I am at Bark, uh, and Bark, as you mentioned, tech company that keeps children safer online and in real life, I have unique insight into data and the data set now is over 5.2 million children across the United States and over 2,500 school districts across the U.S. And this data set is taking into account that scope of of children um, 
their online communications and conversations that are taking place across over 30 social media platforms, email and text messaging. And it's using artificial intelligence to flag when there are issues. And every day I am reminded of just how much work needs to be done and how unfortunate it is that we are in this current position. Uh, and by in this current position, I mean over 75% of children are, are either cyberbullied or are cyberbullying or witnessing that. It's, it's heartbreaking. Um, we have alerts coming in every day for children who are expressing the desire to die by suicide, um, severe self-harm alerts, uh, violent alerts. Um, we've escalated just in the last year over 450 online predators to law enforcement. So, you know, I, I can talk for a long time about all of this, but yeah. I just wanted to give, give everybody yeah. kind of a, where I've been, where I am now, what we do at Bark, and then open it back to you for sure. questions. <laughs> sure, no problem. Um, and I think that leads me to how did you get Bark off the ground? I mean, was it a group of you came together and said, right, now we need to take some action. We're seeing the same things. You're all aligning on the same thing as parents. I mean, as I, we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast myself, I'm a parent. I want to see action taken as well, I think. Today's world of the digital world certainly is out of control um, with the young kids today. I, I witnessed my 13-year-old son engaging with content, which I feel is very borderline, even though it's easily accessible on YouTube. So where did that whole uh, thing come from to say, right, we're going to do something about this with Bark? Yeah. So I wish Bark was my idea. Uh, it yeah. was not. Our CEO, Brian Basin, is yeah. a dad of two and was actually working at Twitter at the time. And his oldest son received a device that could access the internet and let the internet access his child. And when he began to look at these nuances, knowing what he knew about tech, given his career and social media, and he looked at the landscape of existing options for parental controls and monitoring, he saw that there was a, a major need for something like Bark. Um, before Bark, there was not anything that was as comprehensive and less intrusive. You know, if you don't have Bark, your options are do nothing or spot check your child's devices and accounts. You've got, they've got to hand you their phone. You have to know their password. You have to look at all the stuff. That's really, you know, not necessarily conducive to uh, a positive parent-child experience, very friction heavy. And, you know, a lot of times parents don't even know where to look. They don't know how to navigate Snapchat. No offense to parents. Yeah. Um, they don't realize that there are things like vault apps that maybe look like a calculator, but are meant to hide photos and screenshots of conversations, et cetera. They might not know that strangers, predators can send your children direct messages, even if their accounts are private. So taking all of this into account, yeah. Brian left Twitter started Bark July of 2015. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just a few years ago, we were a small team of eight and now we're a team of over 73 and it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And there is really, what I gather is there's a mission statement behind that where you could get people that, that care about this to jump on board like yourself, as you say, maybe not your idea, but 
there you see that gap that it needs filling. There's something there that needs to be addressed, which nobody else was doing. And I, I think it's a fantastic uh, start to have something like this available to parents, um, especially it, you're quite a young company in, in that respect. Yes, yeah. from five years. So yeah, we're we're a toddler. At, <laughs> yeah, when I when I look at the numbers, I mean the surveys that you've done, and and I just wanted to bring that survey up um, just quickly on your webpage because. When we talk about these particular areas that you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, I think it was just to take a look of, of, of what the children are exposed to. Yeah. You did a survey last year, 2019, yeah. um, and you analysed more than 873 million messages across yeah. text, email, YouTube. And we're talking about violence, mental health, cyberbullying, drugs and alcohol, self-harm and suicide and sexual content so you know there's a lot going on out there which they're exposed to mm-hmm. um and uh and so how is how is bark doing this without being too intrusive on your teenage son or daughter for example because if i if i look for the signs with my teenager before I would look for body language as I'd look for, I'm shutting the door, going to my room, don't bother me, dad, that kind of stuff. And you start to see signs of their behaviour that may be starting to worry parents, worrying me. But what is it that the bark can do to give you more insight information without being too intrusive for the child? Yeah, so I'm I'm glad you asked because obviously, not obviously, but after I say it, it will be obvious. Our goal at Bark is to foster a uh, an open and honest and candid ongoing conversation between parent and child so do we suggest you just put bark on their phones without their knowledge no uh the, the ideal scenario is that you talk to them and say just like you have to wear a seat belt when you get in the car and you know you need to wear sunscreen when you're at the beach uh, or just in the sun when we allow you to have a device or, or a gaming platform that can access the world and let the world access you, there have to be uh, some safety precautions in place because there are all these dangers out there. And while you're a good kid, uh, good kids make bad choices and, and bad things happen to good people. And we've got to just be your, be your digital guardian uh, as well as your in real life guardian. So that may or may not go over well, but that's, you know, that's, you know, if you're going to be a parent uh, in 2020 or beyond, that's what yeah. you have to do. And so after that discussion, and it will be a, an ongoing discussion, um, Bark does not give parents and caregivers full unfettered access to all the kids' stuff. Like when I open my Bark app on my phone, I don't get to see everything that's on my son's phone. What I will see is a dashboard uh, of alerts if there are problems. And I mean problems like cyberbullying, uh, sexual content and pornography. Uh, if you know there are online predators looking to communicate with him or worse, um, if there are mental health issues, if he's discussing uh, you know, suicidal ideation, depression, anxiety, um, or perhaps violent uh, content, that is where Bark is going to alert me. Um, it will give me just a snippet of the, the problematic content, not the full conversation. And then it'll give me best recommended next steps for how to talk to my child um, and how to deal with it as a parent. And so 
that is uh, much different than, than other options out there that are just flagging specific obvious keywords like gun, marijuana, sex. Uh, and the other options out there are also giving, you know, just a, a copy, a log of everything that is happening and nobody has time for that. And, you know, it, it's not easy to help raise a responsible digital native if you mm -hmm. don't give them a bit of room to learn and grow. Yeah. And I think that's the point I wanted to also understand myself as a, as a parent is where do you give that space? There's a fine border between them growing up as a teenager and having that privacy, yeah. which is what my son did to me at the weekend. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm in my room. That's my, that's my room. I do what I want in my room <laughs> to looking out for their best interests and, and, and welfare about what content they're consuming and, and having some visibility on that. So, yeah. um, and I think before we move on to the next point is how is Bark doing that? I mean, we know it's an application, mm -hmm. but um, I, you mentioned keywords. So I would imagine there's some kind of AI technology behind all of this, right? That's right. Yeah, we are using artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms to constantly train our models uh, to be able to identify the very unique teen speak uh, and tween speak. It's different than how you and I talk to each other so much so that it's not only analyzing words but phrases emojis memes audio video it's incredible and full disclosure i'm not a data scientist so if you would like to dig more into that uh i might not be the best person there but it's you know it's incredible and our algorithm can actually differentiate uh context and nuance for example KMS, the letters KMS can stand for kill myself. Now, some children might use that flippantly, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. KMS, yada, yada, yada. They are not suicidal. We will not alert you in that case and, and scare you. Uh, but flip side, when it is an actual issue, our algorithm has been able to actually tell the difference there. And that's critical. Yeah. Like I'm dying from laughter. It right. <laughs> <laughs> no bark alert necessary. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I know obviously AI is starting to become more prominent all around us now, but mm -hmm. I think also for those listeners, parents that are out there, um, they're still quite new to AI and, and what does it mean? Because there's a balance between AI taking over the world <laughs> and for the bad things in life, like the Terminator, right. but there's AI for the good, right? So yes. AI in this aspect is for the good. Yes. Um, and on that, that, going just a little bit further onto that point, um, I read an article the other day on the BBC about it wasn't necessarily to do with children. It was to do with adults around deep fake imagery mm. being used. So basically... Your your head is being portrayed on an image of a sexual nature, but I can imagine that that is something that's being done as well with sophisticated apps that that teenagers get their their hands on, which they they think is funny, but which then turns into bullying of some form. Yeah. Are you able to detect that kind of imagery as well, um, and pick that up with with Bark? We are. Um, so let's have an example of just sexual content. So. Um, really anything that is revealing or um, inappropriate in nature, uh, we will flag that. And then we have a, a scale. So for example, 
if you don't want your eight-year-old to receive uh, email communications from Victoria's Secret, you know, that's one level, you know, and then as they get older, there's much, much more uh, that, that they might encounter. And so um, it really, it depends on how you have your settings set up. But yeah, but to, back to deep fakes. I mean, that's just, that speaks to the education that is needed amongst parents of just what, yeah. what I'm going to say bullying is, right? We say cyberbullying mm. and people think like, what is that? Like a robot? What is that? So I'm just going to say bullying. It has evolved so much. Some of those examples are children creating fake accounts that look like your kid. It's so easy to go online, find a picture of anyone, take a screenshot, upload it to a new social media account, and all of a sudden there's a profile. Uh, and anybody can post anything uh, pretending to be you. Um, so that's one example of that. And there's also um, less overt means of, of bullying uh, that affect children's mental health, but are still very, very powerful uh, and isolating. You know, if there is a text thread, uh, you know, four kids are on a text thread and somebody kicks one of them out. Now you're excluded. Now you're not in that conversation. Now you can't FaceTime with each other. Um, and it hurts, you know, the private accounts, you, you'll know that everybody can follow a, a certain Instagram account, but they don't approve your follow request. You're left out and that hurts. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think, well, I think we'll go a little bit deeper later on about certain aspects of, of the online world because mm -hmm. we can go certainly into different areas and touch yeah. on that. But I know with Bark you have, we're talking very much for parental focus here, mm -hmm. um, both of us being parents, yeah. of course. But I see here that you've got something for schools as well. Is that yes. right? Yes. So let's, let's just include that as well because that's an important aspect of the communication, it's not just about the parents, but the teachers and various other things. And I saw something really, I think, heartwarming for me um, because it was three years ago, this time three years ago, that I was actually in Las Vegas. And then, um, this is where the, the shooting happened. Yes. And I saw uh, that you actually posted on your webpage that you prevented um, some some shootings yeah. in this case, um, and I'd like to understand. Yeah, sixteen shootings, and that I take it that was maybe put around a school nature incident. So, tell me a little bit more about that. How did you manage to to prevent that using this application? Because that's a phenomenal achievement in my eyes to be able to do something like that. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm so glad you asked. A lot of times outside of the U.S. Uh, <laughs> school gun violence is not really an issue. It's, it's very unique to the U.S., which is unfortunate, uh, but I'm thankful, you know, that other countries do not have to deal with this in the way that, that we did uh, before the pandemic. Um, so just, you know, knowing the landscape of U.S. schools before everybody was schooling from home is heartbreaking and terrifying. Um, and knowing that because children were being bullied, um, you know, that can lead to wanting to retaliate. And when children are communicating these sort of things, when they're searching on Google, you know, how to load multiple rounds quickly of an AK-47, um, when children are writing threats, uh, even in handwriting on a bathroom wall, you know, don't come to school tomorrow, bang, bang. 
our algorithm has captured so many different instances of that, both at schools, uh, on school issue devices and accounts, and kids' personal devices and accounts, that cumulatively we've been able to escalate 16 credible school shooting threats to law enforcement uh, that, if not detected, could have led to major tragedy. So we are, we are so thankful for that and, and even backing up. So we launched Bark for Schools. That is our free program for any school in the U.S., uh, whether they use Microsoft or Google suite of applications, um, you know, to help protect their students. And we launched that because of the school shooting tragedy in Parkland, Florida. Um, when that happened, we realized, regardless of, of how you feel about gun rights or politics, uh, there is tech out there that can help alert uh, to signs of danger before they become tragedies. And because we knew we had this and we knew it was helping families and, and some pilot schools, uh, we just re decided to release it to every school in the nation for free um, so that they could help protect students. And it has yeah. uh, proved to work. And yeah. Fantastic. I mean, that's, uh, I think that, that that's a step in technology, which I saw at that time going back as uh, trying to understand is how did this person manage to get his hands on so many automatic or semi-automatic rifles and bring oh them in to, to, to the, with, without anybody picking that up? And is it because the, 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 the stores or the shops are siloed with that kind of data? And with your application, you're basically picking up even if, correct me if I'm wrong, searches of that nature within Google or, or something like that. Somebody wants to acquire a weapon or wants to understand how they acquire a weapon and you're flagging that up to, to on the dashboard, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, yeah. more often than not, these things don't just happen one day. There are, uh, there's a digital signal uh, that is given, even if it's just a child's private Instagram account uh, that has 10 followers, somebody saw something, somebody's posting something. Uh, there are, there are searches, um, there are chats. And if we can tap into those and get that child or that family, the help they need, um, it's just so much better. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the schools before we go into the more deeper aspects of uh, of what's out there, the dangers on the online world. How is how is Bark helping schools or the teachers in the schools as well? Is it on the same same kind of way that the parents have a dashboard, or is it is this slightly different there? It's uh, it's it's the same and different. <laughs> right. So <laughs> the, um, it's different in that. Bark for Schools is monitoring school-issued devices and accounts. So if your school does not have Bark, your principal, your school counselor, your IT director is responsible for making sure the tech that the children access is safe. There are filters in place. Uh, kids are not using Google Docs to bully each other, or they're not sending inappropriate images through school email accounts. It's a big job for anyone. Um, and so Bark enables those critical stakeholders to do that job at scale uh, versus manually spot checking or waiting for a problem to be brought to their attention and having to go dig for it. Um, you know, this goes back to education, but a lot of parents just assume, oh, I'm sending my kid to school. Clearly, they have made the tech safe for them. You know, clearly they can't do bad things online and 
and access bad things and, and be mean to each other. And um, no, tech is powerful. Yeah. Kids are smart. Predators are smart. We yeah. had an instance where a predator um, reached out to some some eleven year old girls uh, and was having communications with them through a school issued device and account. So it's it's critical and. The, the difference between that and our parent product, which is not free, um, but you know, the, the parent product is managing and monitoring the personal devices and accounts. So the school can't monitor your child's cell phone while they're at school. Um, but if your child is logged into their school Gmail account on their phone, that's where there can be a bit of gray area. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, kids are smart, so they know the difference between the school <laughs> and their own personal device. Oh, yes. Um, so, Titania, I would like to go uh, a little bit further in now into understanding something we just mentioned before the podcast is that, that there are a lot of threats out there, and these are the ones that are the most common ones. Mm -hmm. um, let's think about the more subtle ones where me, as I mentioned before, as a parent and probably yourself as well, a little bit more concerned about the content that's being constantly fed in mm. to the likes of your YouTube. And is Bark also managing, let's say, screen time on a particular application, um, these kind of things? And what's your feeling around that? I mean, we're talking about the borderline here around privacy, yeah. obviously security and protection, um, and how much exposure your children can have. Because I'll give you an example. My son watches a lot of YouTube. There's yes. no denying. In fact, Same. he watches YouTube. He's, he's on YouTube than any terrestrial television. He doesn't, and his attention span is about 10 to 15 minutes before he moves on to the next influencer. Uh -huh. But what I've started to notice is that, of course, the tracking's there and mm -hmm. the advertisements are there and the suggestions that are being fed up is there. And it's like, I feel like he's starting to get caught into a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and is Bark able to counteract that? What's your feelings around that, first of all? But secondly, is Bark able to do something that with that to help the parent, to raise that level of awareness for a parent? Yeah, I mean, Bark can uh, not only monitor and alert you to problematic content, um, depending on what you prefer to be alerted about, but it can also just limit screen time and, and filter access. So my son uh, has TikTok on his phone. If I don't want him to access it after 10 o'clock at night, I can manage that through Bark. If I don't want him to access the app at all, even though it's on his phone, I can shut off access to just that or all social media. Um, it's really, really cool, the, the filters and customizations that uh, the Bark application allows you to have as a parent um, for a variety uh, of use cases. So yes, Bark can help with that. Um, just regarding what kids are being fed, it, it's such an echo chamber. I mean, uh, as you know, again, back to the U.S. problems, uh, we've got a bit, a bit of an interesting election uh, coming yeah. up, and very, very interesting uh, leaders, um, very polarizing time in our country, and a lot of misinformation that is being fed to kids through social media, and um, we've got an issue with just inaccurate news. You know, it's not only our aunts and uncles that are sharing inaccurate things on Facebook. It's now our kids uh, being radicalized to whatever agenda they've fallen in the rabbit hole uh, of, of content curation for. So 
it's imperative that we as parents and caregivers talk to our children about finding, uh, you know, multiple sources of verification. If you see something on TikTok or Snapchat or Twitter or Instagram and it, it resonates with you, fact check it. Find another source. And you know what? Find even a second or third source to see is that true uh, or is it perhaps more left or right leaning uh, or is it just totally false? You know, we've got yeah. to help our children understand that anyone, if any human can create content, it is prone to error. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, because we don't have this the same kind of political issues. If I think more closer to home, although I'm not there in the UK, we have, of course, Brexit coming up. Mm. We have other polarizing issues right now with with COVID situation, yeah. um, with certain yeah. parts of the country being locked down. Um, I was wondering as well, when we look at the, look at this, um, I mean, when I look at my my boy, is that how is he coping with the COVID situation? Mm. Because it's not so visible for him. And it, but earlier on in the year, he was doing homeschooling. Um, and I thought that would impact him not seeing his friends and things mm -hmm. like that. I mean, mm -hmm. again, maybe not just about bark, but certainly just having on topic here about COVID bringing around the changes in in the way that they're growing up. And obviously the fact is that they could be driven more online because they're stuck at home yeah. more of the time. And parents tend to be a little bit more forgiving because of the situation, right? So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, before the pandemic, parents were you know, dealing with guilt and uncertainty and just yeah. around how much screen time is okay. And when do I give my kid a smartphone? And at what age do I let them play Fortnite and Minecraft, et cetera. Right. Right. Then, then the pandemic <laughs> happened and we're all just kind of like in survival mode. And it's one thing if you think this is only going to last for a month, but now it's been many months. And so you have to reevaluate your strategies Children, if they're virtually learning, have no choice but to be in front of a screen. Um, and so you have to make sure that they are, are having adequate breaks. Kids are not meant to sit still or sit, you know, for eight hours a day. They need to move uh, for their mental and physical health. Um, you know, and then on top of that, if they need, if they want to socialize with their friends and you are not in a safe, you know, pod of people that have been social distancing and, and are not sick, it can be very isolating if they don't have access to screens and gaming and, and social media. So you have to really evaluate um, now more than ever, just how much screen time, what screen time, is it adding value to their life? Are they connecting with other people or are they just kind of passively consuming content? Uh, you know, creating content and consuming content are very different things. And so above all, this is new, nobody knows, right? Nobody knows what's going to be the end uh, end result, but we do know that more than two hours at a time is not healthy for children. So they need breaks and you've got to keep an eye on your child's mental health because it can be negatively impacted by too much screen time and, and the negativity of social media. Yeah. Um, and expanding on, on, on that topic, uh, again, there was something that we just briefly discussed before the podcast is, I've seen in the UK, particularly, they're talking about a code of conduct for children, but a code mm. of contact for those people, those companies that are developing software out there. Yes. Of course, we only had 
we had the user, let's put it this way, the user in mind, and the user could be defined as somebody that could be 10 years old, it could be 40, 50 years old. And now what I'm starting to see is that there is more awareness out there about we should be designing software um, applications with different segments involved, especially for young younger children as well. Mm. Um, you mentioned teens, and mm-hmm. there's tweens, which was is quite new to me. But I say take it they're preteens. Yeah, okay. eight to 11, eight so, to twelve years old. Yeah, um, and and about how they engage with software because I see many kids. I must admit, you know, it's easy to give a child a phone and keep them keep them entertained uh, with mm-hmm. a few. Um, you know, cartoons and what have you on YouTube, but of course there are other things. And what responsibility, I mean, bark is one thing, but what on the wider issue, do you think there should be something like a code um, for the US as well about how software is being developed for young, young, young kids and especially that, that. Absolutely. Tw- I mean, yeah. I know uh, the movie, the social dilemma has been all the conversation right now on Netflix. And one of the most compelling quotes from that movie was, you know, there are only two industries that call their consumers users. <laughs> yeah. The drug industry and technology. Yeah. And that tells you really a lot of what you need to know right there. Um, if, if there was a, a food or a beverage that um, excited that area of the brain in children that, that tech does, it would be regulated. Tech should not be any different. Um, the, the pleasure centers of your brain that are responsible for serotonin and dopamine and addiction are affected by technology, whether it's the lights yeah. or the gamification or, or what have you. Um, children's brains are developing. They're very, very impressionable. We have to be responsible stewards of technology, just like we are with drugs, alcohol, food, etc. Yeah. And I think you led to, you know, you, at the very beginning of, of the conversation, you mentioned that in our time, 80s, maybe I'm going back to late 70s, 80s, yeah. Yeah. Um, as we, you know, it's a totally different world out there now. And yes. I must admit that, um, you know, when my when my boy was younger, I was kind of oversightful about all of these things. But raising this awareness and the subtle manipulation that's going on by technologies to keep people online, to keep them addicted, which is part of the social dilemma um, story, uh, is real. You know, it's out yeah. there. And yeah. um, sometimes I think we just overlook that. Yeah. Um, and it's good that Bark has got that dashboard to be able to give that visibility. It's like, this is how much screen time your kids are being exposed to. So um, what other threats do you see out there, which I haven't raised, um, which are concerning for, for, for you and maybe that Bark's going to address or tackle next? Yeah, there's a few. Um, there's a lot, but a, a few I'll mm-hmm. specifically talk about right now. Um, I mentioned earlier in the show, online predation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, before when we were growing up, in order to be uh, abused by an adult as a child, you had to actually be in the same room with them. Um, now that doesn't have to be the case. Uh, a child can be uh, sexually abused just through media, through images that they have been sent, messages that have been sent to them or solicited uh, from them. And that's really hard to, to process, but it's reality. On top of that, uh, at Bark, we've seen a, a 23% increase in alerts that we've sent around online predation. And so because these terrible people know that kids are at home and on screens more and they themselves are at home and on screens more, 
uh, that that issue is on the rise, unfortunately. And so that just uh, makes me sick. And we we've, we've have to do more there and raise awareness there, especially because there's just such a stigma. And uh, we've, we've got to reduce the stigma there. Um, additionally, self-image, self-confidence, you know, to be a teenager and growing into your body and growing into your brain, it's so hard and, and confidence is everything. And if you are basing your self-worth and your value as a human on how many likes, how many comments, how many followers you have, um, that's a very, very dangerous slope. And particularly for, I'll just say young women or anybody who's very body conscious, if you're comparing your developing body to a perfect image of a filtered waist and no acne and fill in the blank, right? It's just not a fair comparison. And so we have got to do more to highlight our real lives online. So there isn't this perfect yet unattainable image out there that everybody's striving for that leaves us all ultimately miserable. I mean, it's hard for an adult, uh, but think about a child. It's, it's very hard. And so uh, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, self-confidence, mental health tied to those things is, is a very key issue that we're working on at Bark and, and for an education standpoint. Yeah. And at Bark, I mean, have you seen any a question that I want to kind of come back to with what mentioned earlier around the COVID situation? Mm-hmm. Has, has the COVID situation from what you've seen affected or understand affected uh, younger people during the COVID pandemic, during this situation now, um, between a certain age group that may be the later teens, because you know there's all this negativity flowing through through the economy right now with job prospects, employment prospects. Are you seeing that as well? We are. One thing that has been really troubling to note is that you know child abuse happens, whether it's sexual or not. Uh, and a lot of times it's happening within the home through people that they know and love. And when children used to be able to go to school, uh, sometimes school teachers and counselors could notice that, you know, bruises or, or, or something, right? There was a, a way to help identify children in need. Now, if the kids are stuck at home with their abusers, who themselves are maybe even more stressed out because of the economy, because of politics, it is not a good situation. Um, and so children are even more in danger. We are sending even more alerts around abuse and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree that these challenging times, um, have, for, for everybody, of course, but, um, certainly for the young people as well. Um, do you see, I mean, do you break the segments up with, I mean, you say tweens and then you mm-hmm. say teens and mm-hmm. when you say teens, yeah. um, are we keeping it in the category of like 12 to 8 or 13 to 18 or 13 um, to 17? Would you say that 17? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there are, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I just wanted to carry on um, a little bit further about what the future is, is, is for Bark because you've got this AI technology, um, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Um, how far do you think that can go um, in? helping address more of more issues that you've mentioned already today like cyberbullying and thing that do you think there's still room for it to even expand even more i know you're not a data scientist but what's <laughs> the feeling like generally in the in the in the bark community there is that, that there's there's great potential there um to be able to address more issues or or expand further 
Yeah, I mean, there really is. You know, right now we have focused our algorithms on uh, English and Spanish, but there is, uh, you know, there's Japanese, there's German, there's Italian, there, there's a million languages out there and cultures that are dealing with the same dynamic. And so just in terms of language uh, and AI training to those specific nuances of both language and culture, a lot of opportunity there. Um, also, just in surfacing trends, you know, right now because of this election coming up in the U.S., um, you know, we can see certain things happening, an increase in anxiety and or depression. And then once the election happens, depending on who wins, there's a lot to take into effect there. Um, from a public health perspective, what we can do to help children who are in need before they get to crisis mode, before they show up to the ER, uh, there's a lot of innovation and, and um work that I'm very hopeful about that can happen there. And also from a law enforcement standpoint too, um, there just aren't enough law enforcement professionals out there uh, mm -hmm. to, to take care of all the bad that's yeah. out there. So. Yeah. And do you, I mean, again, we mentioned this before, before the, we went live is hopefully you're going to get yourself over to to Europe or maybe other expansion areas as well. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see you guys here. I'd be one of your first advocates for sure. Um, but uh, where do you see next? Uh, I mean, obviously you want to be able to to conquer the US market and support as many parents as possible. But, um, you know, what's on the horizon in expansion wise? Yeah, I mean, that it's it's just that. It's uh, getting our, our algorithm and models uh, in a good place for multiple languages, multiple cultures, uh, other countries, you know, there is still so much work to be done here yeah. in the U S. Um, but all children, all families deserve, uh, this level of protection. And so we're working hard to get it to as many families as we can in the best way that works for them. Okay. Okay. Um, we're coming to the end of, uh, of, of our time, unfortunately, because I, I think it's a topic we could <laughs> carry on with for, for some time, but yeah. um, maybe we can get you back on the show again in the future and see how things have developed with Bark. But yeah. um, any, other, any other insights or, or final words um, that you'd like to add and, uh, before we, we close up? Yeah. You know, one thing I would love to tell, actually, there's three things that I want to okay. leave people with who are listening uh, to give them a bit of, of hope and, and next steps. So the first thing is you have definitely probably heard of the social dilemma documentary Netflix, but you may not have heard of a documentary called childhood 2.0. Uh, it is free for anyone. It's on YouTube. It has been seen by over half a million people so far. And it is like the social dilemma, but with a specific focus on, on kids. What is, what is childhood 2.0? What is childhood like now? Uh, what is it like to be a kid growing up in the tech world? Uh, and what's really happening there? It's, it's powerful. So it's a free resource anybody can access. Uh, the second thing is that even though uh, Bark is not uh, available outside of the US right now, Facebook is. And there's a really great group on Facebook called Parenting in a Tech World. It has, gosh, close to 90,000 parents in there uh, from all over the world talking about these issues. And that is so key for us right now uh, because as parents who are the first generation of parents figuring this all out together, 
we need each other now more than ever. And if we can't get together in real life for coffee or a beer or just to cry, you know, we've got to turn to these Facebook groups. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then finally, um, my colleague, Matt McKee, and I have co-authored a book called Parenting in the Tech World. Uh, it is not free, uh, but it is on Amazon. And not only do we have a, a print version, but an audio book and an ebook coming out. So, um, yeah, hopefully that, uh, that content can help. Yeah. All good plugs there, but it's a valid cause. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed having the opportunity to talk to you. And it's something that's very close to my heart right now. Um, and I yes. think uh, hopefully we can get this content out there from, from both organizations and spread the word about um, one, you know, what is your children doing online? And secondly, um, you know, how to be able to support parents, which is basically what what you're doing here at BART to be able to to engage with your children around this this plethora of technologies and the, the uh, vulnerabilities and, and the threats that are out there. Yeah. Uh, Tatania, it's been fantastic talking to you. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I wish you all the best with Bark and the books, and I'm going to check that uh, the, the, the Childhood 2.0 out. Yes, um, and let me know what you think. sometime in the future. Yeah, I'm going to let you know. I'll drop okay. you a line. So, all right, good. Um, yeah, we'll connect, and uh, I hope that, yeah, that, that this – this really takes off and I look forward to seeing it in Europe uh, in the near future. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks much. Y'all take good care. Stay safe. And I can't wait to talk to yeah. you again. Take care, take care of that dog. He's been a <laughs> part, <laughs> co-partner in the day. Yes. <laughs> okay. Take care then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that is all for today's episode of Under Control. You can find links to all our social platforms and to our guests in the episode description. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. Join me again in two weeks' time for the next episode.